Vincent Sabonis, two-man game inside. Domas, dominant, dynamite inside on that one. Not afraid, and he got some dog in. And the steal, they can tie it with a three. Murray, yes! A Murray miracle in the desert! Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brandon Nunez. And today's episode comes right after opening night of the Sacramento Kings 2022-23 NBA season. I guess it's not right after opening night. Um, It's pretty early the next morning, actually. So forgive me if I'm a little bit tired, but still riding, I guess, a little bit of a high from the excitement around opening night. Just want to start with saying, like, the crowd at Golden One Center, it was a packed-out arena today, completely sold out. 17,611 fans is the number that I have here. Um, And you could feel the energy in the building. You know, I I think it definitely helped that they were playing Portland and not a different uh, team like L.A. or Golden State that has their own bit of a local fan base. But the Sacramento King fans totally showed out. And I thought that there was a great energy in the building. Opening night is always a fun time. This was the first one that I got to cover in person because last year for me, I think, was about 15 or so games into the year before I finally got credentialed. So, Yeah, opening night was a blast for sure. Um, The Kings came out the gate and played pretty well against Portland. They did end up losing that game 108 to 115 for reasons that we are going to go through. Um, I want to start with pointing out the fact that Sacramento shot 44 threes in this game. And I point that out because the Kings are going to be shooting a lot of threes throughout the course of this year. Like one of the highest three point attempt rates in the league, I think, because we were told at practice by the coaching staff that they want to shoot 40 plus threes a game. And for preseason, the Kings shot 45 threes, 41, 39 and and 39 in their four games. Opening night, they shoot 44 threes. And they knocked down 17 of them. So 38% from distance is, is definitely a number that you're fine with seeing, especially when you're getting up that many, you know, in comparison to Portland's 28, there's just a really big, I mean, a 16 attempt difference when it comes to threes, I, I think is a way to win on the margins. They clearly have confidence in their shooting on this roster. And it's easy to see why with Malik Monk, Kevin Herter able to pull from so deep. Terrence Davis has been on fire. Keegan Murray, obviously, when he's available. Harrison Barnes may be a little bit timid, but when he does shoot them, they're going in. Um, Trey Lyles has potential in that aspect. And it looks like De'Aaron Fox is, uh, I mean, he's definitely said that he's worked on his shooting and his off-ball play, which a lot of that has to do with shooting. And we see it after practices all the time and practicing these um, threes off of dribble handoffs or working on guys punishing defenders for going under screens. And in opening night of his, of his season, he goes five of nine from three. Uh, De'Aaron's season high last year and the year prior was five. He only hit six threes or he only hit six threes in a game during his rookie season. So we haven't seen De'Aaron shoot uh, or knock down that many triples. 
in a good while. I, I mean, obviously that's a great sign for the Kings, but going back to that 40 point mark that the Kings want to pass up every single night, really two teams in the league last year that did that. Minnesota led the league and shot 41.3 a game. Utah came in second at 40.3. And if you take the Kings averages from, if you combine the first four preseason games and along with the regular season game that was just played the opener, I mean, the Kings are averaging above 40 point above 43 is a game. So, I think we can expect to see that. And again, I mentioned it went down at an okay rate on opening night. And after De'Aaron Fox's five of nine, the one that obviously stands out is Kevin Herter. Knocked down six of nine. He was on fire. Herter talked about um, he thinks that teams should ride the hot hand, and it happened to be him tonight. And next, you know, you never know if it'll be TD tomorrow, HB. Um, he listed a few other guys, Keegan. Malik you never know who it'll be and when it's their turn we should ride that that hot hand as well but tonight was my night was kind of what we got a little bit from Herder and six of nine from three eight of 12 from the field 23 points with two assists and three boards in there as well I thought it was pretty impressive Um, I mean that's exactly what you want to see out of Kevin Herder he's got range on the offensive end he's got versatility in the way that he's able to get to that shot and Herder was really impressive on offense, kind of no two ways about it. There was no Keegan Murray in this game, by the way. I should have mentioned this at the top, but no Keegan Murray for the Sacramento Kings. He was in health and safety protocol, cleared it today, was at shoot around this morning. But Mike Brown wants to get the rookie uh, through some practices before he gets him out there for a game. I would expect that we see Keegan Murray make his Sacramento regular season debut Game two, Saturday against the Clippers at Golden One Center. I think there's a pretty good chance that we end up seeing Keegan make his debut there, but we'll see if it's him starting or KZ Akpala, which is the direction that Mike Brown went in once again tonight. Did that as well in three of the four preseason games. Mike Brown says he's still figuring out what his ideal situation is with this four spot. Ideally, he'd be able to lock one down, but he just wants to get a feel for everything. And KZ Akpala is assigned to Damian Lillard from the jump and picking him up full court. Ball pressure is one of the five staples of Mike Brown's defense. Mike Brown has five staples on offense and five staples on defense. So I can go through these five real quick. I'm going to pull them up and make sure that I have them right because I don't want to, I want to paraphrase as little as possible here. And I'll try to explain Uh, five staples on each end of the floor that Mike Brown has echoed a lot. Mentioned them at his intro presser, even I think, and then has continued to echo them. And I asked him pregame if he could kind of reiterate that way with a place that all five on both ends were laid out. And offensively, starts with pace. If you watch the sideline during the Kings getting a rebound or taking the ball in after a made basket by the other team, Mike Brown is screaming his ass off for the team to run. And We'll see how sustainable it is for this team to run consistently. I think that that's where maybe having a little bit of a deeper bench is really going to have its uses. But Mike Brown undoubtedly wants this team to be running their ass off. Second one is spacing. They were kind enough, the coaching staff, to walk me and some of the other media members through some of their offensive and defensive sets. So we got a little bit of a better idea of what they are doing out there on the floor and what we're looking at. And when it comes to spacing, main thing that really stood out to me, they have four zones on the court that they really just want to make sure. I I, I guess I don't know how much I 
Eminem not supposed to give away, but point being, they have very specific spacing. And when it comes to the depth of the guys that are above the break from three, they want them a stepper, a stepper, step and a half kind of behind the three point line. And some guys can catch and shoot from there. Other ones, it's so you can kind of take a step in or, um, yeah, if you like to gather before you go into your shot or be able to play off of, of a big or come get a screen or anything like that. But they're spacing the guys that are above the three-point line are about a step, step and a half behind the three-point line. And obviously part of that spacing is taking 40 plus threes a game. One of the other five offensive staples after pace and spacing is playing in the point five. And the point five is he wants everybody to make a decision within point five seconds. Forget what they listed as the three options. It's like pass, shoot, or pass, shoot, cut, uh, pass, shoot, or something. If you have the ball, and but anyways, point being, they want everybody to make a decision in 0.5 seconds. They don't want any stagnation. They want a whole lot of ball movement in their offense. Other one is paint touches, and that's just how you break down a defense. Mike Brown is constantly highlighting paint touches on both sides of the floor, limiting opposing paint touches, and trying to maximize the amount of paint touches that Sacramento is able to get themselves because that pulls defenses in, opens up shooters, and it all goes together. The other one is ball reversals, and what that is, if the ball is on one side of the floor, it's kind of a skip pass over to the other side. They're really trying to take advantage of when you only get two defenders on one side of the floor and you can play a little bit of a two-man game and limit the amount excuse me, of help defense that we're talking about. So those ball reversals and kind of switching it up again, the five offensive staples pace spacing playing in the point five, which is quick decision-making paint touches and ball reversals defensively. The five staples that Mike Brown has had is communication because in kind of paraphrasing, but he was saying that sometimes things are going to go bad and you have to communicate and make sure you rotate correctly from there. Second is ball pressure. And this is something that they highlighted to us. I noticed in the, final preseason game that the Kings played against the Lakers that like Damian Jones is trying to initiate the offense and DeMontis Sabonis is up at the three-point line making Damian Jones uncomfortable with the ball in his hands and Damian Jones clearly not a shooter but it does not matter who that guy is they want everybody up on their man unless they are specifically in charge of some sort of help defense because they want just as much ball pressure and uncomfortableness for the opposing defense as possible. Third is not giving up middle. You don't want to give up the middle of the floor. Um, A lot of teams do this because if a guy gets to the middle, he has both his left and right side of options available to him. If you only keep him on one side of the floor, if you keep a guy on the right side of the floor, he's really only working with that side unless he's hitting a skip pass over the top. And then the defensive rotations are kind of easier from there. So not giving up middle is a very big thing for the Kings this year. And all their help rotations are built into that. So anytime they do give up the middle, you're going to see Mike Brown get pretty mad. And there's going to be a lot of times where um, just look for it on the defensive coverages. You'll see the way that they're kind of shading or corralling offensive players to the side of the floor. And the fourth principle that or for staple that Mike Brown has on defense is being physical without fouling. This is something the Kings have not been good at. They fouled a lot in their first four preseason games. We've heard Mike Brown highlighted a lot, actually, uh, whatever the opposite of, or the negative way to say highlight is, but Mike Brown definitely pointed it out a lot in all of these games and also talked about it 
in this game that was the opening loss against Portland. The Kings ended up with 25 personal fouls, and Portland had 33 free throws. Going to get to Coach's opening statements when he talked to the press after the game in a second here where he'll give a little bit of a more in-depth explanation of what he saw there. But the fifth and final staple that I want to get through on defense is just having multiple efforts. And that's closing possessions, which is something Kevin Herter is going to talk about in a quote that I'll play you guys here throughout the course of the episode. Um, but just making sure that you are locked in for the entire 24 seconds of defense, if that's what it takes, um, giving multiple efforts because a first good effort can go to waste if there's not later efforts there as well. So to run through those again, defensive staples for Mike Brown, the five are communication, ball pressure, not giving up the middle being physical without fouling, and multiple efforts. So keep all of that in mind throughout the course of the year, and that's all the stuff that Sacramento is trying to implement right now. And I think there is maybe not a growing period. When I've been asking some of these guys at practices, training camp, um, all leading up to this throughout the course of the preseason and prior to that, everybody said it feels like a pretty simple system. I, I think there is some adjustment period to – just getting used to having so many new players and adjusting to everybody's tendencies and learning where they like it and things like that. Um, but for the most part, playing in a really high paced offense, understanding the defensive rotations is maybe a little bit tricky at times, but it's nothing all too complicated. A lot of it really is effort. And um, I, I think being locked in and taking care of the little things that is going to be the theme of this game against Portland. Like I mentioned, the Kings won the three point difference. I mean, 11 of 28 for Portland from beyond the arc compared to 17 of 44 from Sacramento. Again, 28 threes on 39% for Portland and 38% on 44 threes for the Kings. So very slightly worse percentage, but you're talking 16 more attempts right there. I think you're ha very happy with that margin. It's the rebounding. I know that Sacramento is really big on, um, I mean, we heard at yesterday or day before, whatever it is, kind of all blending together, to be honest. We heard at the practice that they're, they want to be pretty big on offensive rebounds. Um, and I think we heard that a little bit with Alvin last year. Alvin Gentry, that is. I don't know how much it really happened. But I think the Kings are hoping to be aggressive on offensive rebounds without also giving up too much in opposing transition on the other end of the floor and still making sure they're getting back. Um, but the Kings were a pretty good rebounding team throughout the preseason. You know, they had... 54 in that first game against the Lakers. They had 47 against Portland, only 39 in that game against Phoenix. That was a horrible game, to be honest. But then you get back to 55 in that game against the Lakers. And in the three wins, 15 offensive rebounds, 13 offensive rebounds, 14 offensive rebounds. And then you get to opening night against the Portland Trailblazers. And those 54, 47, 55 rebounds in the preseason wins all of a sudden you're talking about 41 rebounds, um, which isn't bad, but that's a whole lot closer to that Phoenix number of 39, right? In that bad game and offensive rebounds, like I mentioned, 15, 13, eight in the Phoenix loss, but 14 in the next win. They had four in the home opener against the trailblazers. So I think that the, you definitely hope that there's more progress there. I think the coaching staff is probably hoping they got a little bit more on that end. And then also preventing offensive rebounds on the other side, because while Sacramento only got four of their own, we saw Portland uh, snag 11 of those. So I think it was a lot of second chance opportunities, a lot of turnovers that we saw from the Kings, 15 turnovers from them in this one. 
um, that led to easy baskets for Portland. But before I get too much into those details, I, I feel like I'm kind of rattling through it all. And I want to give you guys an opportunity to hear directly from Coach Brown, Coach Mike Brown, De'Aaron Fox, and Kevin Herter, who we got to talk to after the game on opening night. And we're just going to start with with Coach Mike Brown. Um, every time that he comes out to the presser, he has his opening statements where he kind of just gives his thoughts on how the night went. And I felt like that was a good thing to start with. So here's Coach Brown after his uh, Sacramento regular season debut. Uh, the first thing I want to say is I, I thought, man, I thought it was electric out there. You got to take your tip our hat, uh, take our hat out to the fans. Fans were unbelievable. Uh, they did their part tonight. I, I tell you what, I'm, and you give Portland credit. You give Chauncey Billup, his staff, Billups, his staff, and all his players a ton of credit because they came in here and they won the game. Uh, so I, I want to say that first of all. But for us tonight. I've I watched us do stuff in this game tonight that we haven't done all the preseason, all the training camp. Um, you know, the one thing we, we, we have done is, is fouled, and that was no different tonight. We gave up 33 free throws, and you give up 33 free throws, 11 offensive rebounds, and then you have uh, 16 turnovers for 18 points right there at the possession games out the window and you're not giving yourself much of a chance to win. We shoot better than them from three. We shoot better than them from, from two. Uh, but we don't do the little things, and, and that hurt us. Um, and then our defense was compromised uh, quite a bit. So I, 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 I'm excited to go watch the film, as crazy as it sounds, because uh, I, I did not recognize the team that was out there most of the night. Uh, I thought the guys tried to compete, okay, but they didn't compete the right way, and we lost the game because of Forgive my loud typing, and I know the video's not great. Shout out Franklin Cardicelli, uh, Sackdown Sports 1140, for his shoe and the shot, which is not on him at all. That's definitely on me. I should probably get a little bit better of video setup. Um, but yeah, excuse the audio difference going from my audio here to those things that I'm recording post game. And I know my typing's a little bit loud. I'm working on my setup, but I think a lot of the things that Mike Brown highlighted are kind of what um, I took away from the night. And it, it, I mean, the entire night of talking to these guys as well and kind of laid out beforehand, you know, a lot of the little things. And I think that Part of the reason they maybe didn't look like the same team is I felt like Portland played pretty good, which Mike Brown started with that. Um, but Simons and, and Lillard didn't have great nights, but it was really Josh Hart, Jeremy Grant. I thought Justice Winslow did really well in switches, and I thought that those guys' effort and their switchability on defense, um, specifically Justice Winslow did a good job guarding Domas in the paint, DeMontis Sabonis, who Sabonis had a little bit of a choir night. Um Five of ten from the field, three of six from the free throw line. He had one triple that he didn't get to go down, but ended the night after 33 minutes with 13 points, five assists, four rebounds. Um, I thought that Portland's switching and zone that they pulled out maybe affected Sacramento a little bit and led to them struggling to get Domas involved. And I kind of asked Mike Brown about that, and here was his response. 
Mike, a little bit of a quiet night from Domas. Um, it looked like a lot of switching going on on the other side, and I'm curious when the ball's not running through Domas as much like you saw tonight. To you, is that more of on him or maybe the other guys trying to got to do more to get him involved? Well, it, it, but I thought he had his touches now. He, he you know, he didn't, I don't even know he scored. He, he didn't score a lot. He took 10 shots. He, he didn't score a lot. But, you know, I, I think he, you know, he had five assists. You know, so he got his touches, but I just, uh, I felt we could have moved the ball in general a little bit better, even when he got it. You know, there were times when he got it and there was a crowd there and uh, he ended up turning it over or spacing wasn't good. Uh, but for me to go back and watch the tape is going to be, you know, something that I'll be able to speak on a little bit better tomorrow because I know the one time that he did get doubled, he found somebody on the weak side who found De'Aaron in the corner. We hit a three, you know, and, and so we just have to, all of us, including Domus, we just have to believe that that ball is going to come back to us, you know, at some point in time. And if we do, everybody's going to touch it and everybody's going to feel like they're a part. Definitely love to see it. We heard Kevin Herter. Um, it was on a clip of the latest episode of the Kings Beat talk about how the ball is ball is energy or maybe the word wasn't energy but that was the gist of it that you know i think when people get to touch the ball that it really does keep them engaged and i think mike brown's point of trust is something that just wasn't on last year or the years prior sacramento's roster um i think there could have been a worry that if i give it up that i'm probably not going to get it back and i just don't think that's the case on this sacramento team that's not supposed to be the case but I thought they just looked a little bit uncomfortable at times. Um, lots of turnovers for sure. I thought the turnovers and then 50-50 balls went in the favor of Portland. Um, I know that some people were – there were frustrating calls as well, I will say. Um, you know, Sac Sacramento did have a 16-1 to run in that second quarter that really allowed them back in the game prior to halftime. But then – after a third quarter that was not spectacular and they allowed 33 points, they ended the fourth quarter, the final four and a half minutes roughly on a four Portland going on a 16 to four run and just got to be able to execute down the stretch. I think they had some okay looks that they weren't able to get knocked down. They weren't able to get stops. So they weren't able to score on the other end and the turnovers were pretty tough. Um, but I mentioned earlier that it's kind of the other guys. It wasn't really Fox and Simons. It was more Grants and and Josh Hart and Justice Winslow or even Nurkic. I'm definitely still in that from De'Aaron Fox. And you can hear directly what he said about that post game here. It was only two. Yeah, I mean, um, him, him and Dame, those are guys that you – Pretty much, you know, you want to try to take out the game, but I mean, Jeremy Grant, Josh Hart had great games, and um, but when you're playing those guys, you know that you know one of Dame or Anthony are going to be on the court um, at all times, and you just try to limit what they get. And I think we did a good job on, on playing those two guys. Obviously, they made some deep ones, but um, I wouldn't say that either one of them really wanted them the game. I think Josh Hart and, and Jeremy Grant did a lot, and then uh, Justice Winslow comes in, you know, gets offensive rebounds, gets second chance points. Um, I think that's where they won the game, not their, not their two-star guys. I think we, as a team, I mean, five 
for 18 and 9 for 22, and Dane was 1 for 8 from 3, and Anthony was 3 for 10. I mean, we did what we were supposed to do on those guys, but um, Jeremy Grant with 23 and Josh Hart with 19, 8 for 11, 5 for 11, Jeremy Grant's 10 for 13 from the free throw line. And that's those two guys, I think, did, did, a, lot of, did a lot of damage. Hard to disagree. Definitely see what De'Aaron is talking about there. Lillard and Simons were not really the problem. I thought the numbers he laid out were great. Uh, De'Aaron mentions numbers a lot. Seems to be a guy that um, is just very aware of the numbers and, and they're very useful information. Obviously, there's a reason that they're used so often. And Monty McNair is a big analytics guy. And I know Mike Brown said that he's not. And, and that makes for a nice middle ground for both of them. But um, yeah, I'm just going to roll straight into the next Kevin Herter clip because I, I think it's similar in the way that it's talking about cleaning up the things on the margins. So here's Kevin Herter. Yeah, everyone's got to be better. Yeah, I got to be better. Um, for us, like I said, just finishing possessions. They score too much in the paint. It starts with guards, obviously, just containing the ball, being physical at the point of attack and finishing possessions. I thought there was a lot of you know, broken plays, you kind of shots go up, bodies flying around the ball, bouncing around, ends up in their hands. They're getting a lot of putbacks and a couple kickout threes that in big moments definitely really hurt us. So, got to finish possessions. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. 20th Century Studios presents Vacation Friends 2. Now streaming only on Hulu. Look at us all together again. We just wanted to give you guys a real honeymoon. Shots! 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 Five. Now streaming. Dad! He was just released from jail. Where can I get a drink around here? Back on vacation. This place is nice. It's drug lord nice. I'm sorry, drug lord nice? With more baggage. Ever since he showed up, he turned this relaxing vacation into total chaos. Vacation Friends 2, rated R, now streaming only on Hulu. I know the Kings have highlighted, and it's just a known thing throughout the NBA, that after offensive rebounds are some of the best three-pointers that you'll get because opposing teams are already trying to maybe leak out in transition or it's easy to be focused on rebounding and ball watching. So then you lose track of the guy you were guarding. It's easy to get open threes after offensive rebounds. And they're also killers for the opponents. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you guys listening can think of some offensive rebounds from Portland's side that turned into triples. There were some timely ones late in the game that just are backbreakers. They're, they're heartbreakers. They, they suck. Um, it, it feels bad to watch those go down for sure. And as I mentioned, the Kings, Gave up a lot of offensive rebounds, um, 11 on Portland side. That's two from Jeremy Grant and Yosef Nurkic, three from Damian Lillard. That's insane. Honestly, not realizing Dame had three until right now. Um, Justice Winslow had three. And I thought Justice Winslow, like I said, did a pretty good job switching on to Devonta Sabonis. I think it's Sabonis not having your typical center size, um, but also Justice Winslow has some solid size to him as well. And, you know, not winning this game really hurts for the Kings. Obviously, this is a team that 
they are going to play. They're going to be really competing with for that play-in spot in the Western Conference this year. That's that's what's assumed. That's where I'm at with this. I think the the Lakers and the Blazers are some of the most important opponents that the Kings are going to play this year. And specifically because what if you come down to some situation where you end up with the same record and these tiebreakers, how this is decided, and then eventually I think it goes to point differential after that. Like the Kings play Portland, I believe, four times throughout the course of this year. Next one is not until let's see let's see february 23rd and then the next two are in march late march like the kings needed to take care of business not only because it's a really important opponent but listen to this next stretch of games okay they just played the portland trailblazers on opening night and took l because they just didn't clean up the margins right they shot well it's the details turnovers, rebounds, 50-50 balls. So they lose that one. Now they're going to play the Los Angeles Clippers, who a lot of people have as their title favorites or favorites to come out of the West. You have the Golden State Warriors at Chase Center the next night, who I, I talk about title favorites. These are the title contenders. The next night, or not the next night, but the next game after that, when you get a three-day break and then you play the memphis grizzlies who were gonna say in the western conference finals last year i'm pretty sure that's right but i'm clearly not that confident by my hesitation and it is very late early whatever so forgive me but memphis is obviously a damn good team The miami heat are a very good team so those first five games are really really tough portland was the walk in the park between all of them and it's not saying the Kings can't win these games. I think the Kings are good enough to be competitive on every single night in the NBA. But, like, it wouldn't be crazy at this point to see 0-5. And, and I don't think I'd be freaking out if it was 0-5. Would it be good? Hell no. It would be really tough. But I think it's just a reality. These next four opponents they're playing are all top 10 teams in the league probably higher like these are all we're talking top home court advantage in the playoffs so it's a really tough stretch coming up and then just not getting that Portland game to start off the season is extra tough for not only that reason but Portland is a team that it's kind of anticipated they could be competing with in that play-in spot so I think that that's all I got for you guys um I do want to point out that Mike Brown played 10 guys. He's kind of talked about how many guys he wants to play in his rotation and figuring out. He said if he could get to 10, that'd be super ideal. Um, went with the starting lineup of De'Aaron Fox, Kevin Herter, Harrison Barnes, Casey Akpala, DeMontis Bonus. The five that were playing off the bench were Davion Mitchell, Malik Monk, Terrence Davis, Trey Lyles, and Rashawn Holmes. We even saw some four-guard lineups out there. And it wasn't exactly against small lineups on Portland's side either, like Jeremy Grant, He's probably about a traditional four in today's NBA. And the Kings are rolling out a lineup that has De'Aaron Fox, Davion Mitchell, Terrence Davis, and Kevin Herter. I don't remember which big was out there with them, uh, DeMontis Sabonis or Rashawn Holmes, but the Kings ran four guard lineups. And I think that's part of the reason that um, the rebounding was so tough. But 
still, I, I mean, it had its pluses. They were knocking down shots. I thought they were pretty interesting on that end. And to go through some of the individual players on Sacramento's side, um, De'Aaron Fox played like a madman, obviously. 33 points, 7 assists. Um, he had 7 rebounds as well in that 5 of 9 from 3, 12 of 21 from the field. He just played like a beast. I mean, Coach talked about um, maybe there being a little bit too much ISO. I think part of that happened is because De'Aaron was cooking in ISO. So it's easy to fall into it when it's working, but it's not always going to work, and it's not exactly the most consistent thing. Um, but extremely encouraging to see that from De'Aaron. And I've thought for a while that it, it, it I could see his shooting thing being a lot of mental. And I think that starting the year – specifically the very start of the year with a shooting performance like that could be so big for his confidence moving forward. He's obviously put in the reps, but in my mind, that's really good for your mental to start out a season with that type of shooting performance when that is probably the biggest way that he could in improve as an individual, which would in whole obviously really benefit the Sacramento Kings. Kevin Herter played well, like I mentioned. Demonte Sabonis had a little bit of choir game as mentioned as well. Harrison Barnes, man, nine points, um, did get eight rebounds, four assists, kind of just doing what you want from him out of out there, except for scoring. Um, he had a really nice play super early in the game. I want to say one of the first three, four possessions um, where he attacked a closeout and, and had a nice finish at the rim and had he looked like a little bit of bounce to him again, but uh, not a single triple to go down for him. And I think the good thing is that the Kings can live with him having quiet nights more often than they could last year, but it's still certainly not nice when you see him happen. Uh, Malik Monk has also been struggling a little bit. I think he's had some defensive shortcomings at times and just needs to clean up kind of some of the rotations and ball watching. Ball watching is really, really common in the NBA and easy to fall into, but kind of making sure that he breaks that habit um, would be great. He did have one turnover and then a crazy block on the other end that to be fair to his teammate and i'm i can't think of who it is for whatever reason i want to say it was trey lyles but i could be wrong with that whatever teammate it was that slowed down the portland player in the first place was the only reason malik was able to get there for the block but it was still so damn cool to see malik just get up that high and get that block the other big highlight was terrence davis with a putback dunk late in the fourth quarter and then getting teed up, by the way, it's just like a no fun technical. That's total bullshit. Let's get rid of that. It's good for the game for these guys to be able to flex and scream and stare people down and talk some shit. Like, what is the issue there? I don't get it. I hate that type of technical. It's not on the refs in my mind. It's on the rule book. Like, I, I think it's very easy. I always think about how the refs have to follow their rules. It, it, to very specifically like to the word and sometimes the wording is just too picky or too focused on like one specific detail and like anything anytime you throw the ball down and it goes above your head that can be a technical um and i guess they get a little it seems like the refs get a little bit of a gauge of the moment and things like that but to me that specifically is more of an issue of a rule rather than the refereeing specifically. And, and De'Aaron kind of hinted a little bit at, a, hope we don't get in trouble for this, but De'Aaron hinted at a little bit of maybe the calls being a little bit frustrating that night, but they definitely were playing pretty physical. Um, and, and 
fouling in the process. And Sacramento having 15 turnovers, by the way, eight of those were De'Aaron. So De'Aaron had a great night, but that totally could be cleaned up. And I mentioned Terrence Davis. Terrence Davis been shooting well. Trey Lyles played. I was not a big fan, to be honest. Um, I think he had a pretty tough first half. Second half, he came out a little bit better. Rashawn Holmes shot one field goal. And he only played 14 minutes. He literally just played the minutes that DeMontis Sabonis did not. And DeMontis Sabonis played 33. I think some people... Shout out Bryant West. We're maybe hoping for some Sabonis and Holmes lineups. Uh, We'll see if we see that. We haven't in preseason, and we did not in the season opener. I will say the Blazers are not the team to roll that out against. They have a pretty small lineup themselves more often than not. So if we're going to see it, it wouldn't have been against Portland anyways, but I think it's notable we haven't. And the question is, when Keegan Murray comes back, where does he fit into this rotation? And... I think that he could boot Trey Lyles. Um, I think that Terrence Davis could see significantly less minutes also because I think that Keegan Murray is going to play close to 30 minutes a night. I I think that Keegan is that guy right now. I think he's already one of the five best players on Sacramento's roster and not having him tonight against Portland was a pretty big loss. So who knows how different it looks if Keegan Murray fourth overall pick is playing for the Kings, but Ended with a loss on the season over the Portland Trailblazers. And it's just the little things. You know, I, I think that it was an entertaining game and a fun way to open up the season. You hope it would have finished with a win. It didn't. They're really going to have to bounce back and win at least at least one of these games against the Lakers, Warriors, Grizzlies, or Heat these next four games. And one of those is on the road and a back-to-back in that Golden State game. So it's going to be a tough one, a tough little run to start the season for these Sacramento Kings, but we will see how they end up faring. Um, Obviously, I'm going to be keeping on covering this team. I think we have practice tomorrow. So stay tuned for future Kings Pulse episodes. Also, all the great writing from... All the guys and gals at the Kings Herald, which is myself included, take a look at their site and the Patreon there to support local independent Kings coverage. And if you enjoyed this episode of the Kings Post podcast, I want to keep up throughout the course of the 2022-23 Sacramento Kings season. It would mean the world to me, and I'd be glad to have you guys. Um, so subscribe, rate, and review, and you'll hear from me again in the next couple of days.